Thank you for tuning into White Centipede Noise Podcast. Please hit the like button and subscribe to this channel. This podcast is made possible by viewer and listener support. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider supporting it at patreon.com slash white centipede noise. White Centipede Noise is a label and mail order based in Germany, releasing top quality noise on tape, CD, and vinyl. White Centipede Noise is also the premier EU-based distributor of international noise. Visit whitecentipedenoise.com to see available label releases and weekly distro updates. Noise podcast. My name is Oscar Brummel. Today, my guest is the kingpin of the Canadian noise trade. Please welcome Taylor Geddes. Hey, Oscar. Hi, Taylor. What's up? Sorry, did I say your last name right? You did actually. Yeah, that's you're, you're on a roll with that here. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Sometimes I forget to ask before we go, and you know, you see people's names written for years. There's always a bit of. I, I'm 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 sometimes pretty bad with it, but uh, yeah, you kind of especially if you're just dealing with them online, you never have to speak the name or hear the name. So exactly. So um, you are, you know, in the intro I didn't mention you are Taylor Geddes of Scream and Writhe, Absurd Exposition. You also have a few noise projects, Primitive Isolation Tactics, uh, among some others, but. Um, First of all, one thing that's confused me in the, in, the, in the earlier days is the differentiation between Scream and Writhe and Absurd Exposition. Can you break that down, what that what that is exactly? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I used to have an old distro back in the day, like 2005, 2006. I started a distro, um, which it kind of ran its course, and I started Absurd Ex- Exposition mostly as just like, I didn't even intend it to be a label. It was just sort of like a, a blog at first, like when people had blog spots and I don't know if anyone even read it or even knew it existed, but that's what it was. And, uh, eventually it, it gradually became a label like Adam Jennings, I think wanted some winners in Osaka release put out. So I was like, yeah, like, let's just do it. I'll start a label. Um, but at the same time, I still wanted to do a distro and I had a really good friend who was my roommate in Vancouver, uh, who also had his own label and distro. Or like, well, why are we doing two different distros? Let's just do a distro together. But meanwhile, <clears throat> we were keeping our labels separate. So we're like, well, let's just come up with a new name. We call it Scream and Rive. Uh, but then very quickly, it just became my my sole operation. But the label was already established too, and I just that's that's just kind of how it went. Okay. So, Absurd Exposition is the label. Scream and Writhe is the distro. Yeah, and now it's kind of too late to, to change into one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I think it it works, but I mean, do you think it ever causes confusion with people? Like, uh, yeah, I think it does. Maybe not so much now, uh, but I think still a little bit, but definitely in the past. I mean, you have like a very established 
uh, following customer base, I assume that that get it now. But yeah, and also like in the past too, like I didn't just used to be a noise distro exclusively. Like I was carrying a lot of stuff. So like absurd expedition was like the noise label. And then I had the distro, so it made sense to keep it separate. Now it makes a little less sense, but like I said, it's just it's too I'm too deep into both of them to to drop. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, and when did you when did you start this? Because I may be wrong, and don't take this the wrong way, but I kind of feel like I really be we I think maybe we were in touch for a while, but I know when I I feel like when I moved to Germany around 2015 is when I really became in touch with you as and um, and more aware of you as like a really active distro. And I mean, I, I knew about your label and stuff like that before then, but that, uh, is, am I, am I wrong there? Am I, am I, am I, f- um, that's, that's, that's pretty accurate. Like I, we're in, we're in, this is the 10th year of scream and Rive now, but as a noise distro, it, it's, it is more recent as just a noise distro. Like I, I slowly started dropping, like, you know, I was kind of, it was more of, of a punk oriented distro at first. And then just like everything. And then, uh, I was like, okay, I'll just drop all this stuff and just, you know, Canada had, and internationally there's enough punk and metal distros. I was like, why am I spreading myself so thin? I can't even afford to buy stock of what I want to carry. Cause I was just spreading myself too thin here. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. and at so the, t- at the time there was a shortage of, uh, of noise distros really, you know? So, so that's, that is kind of accurate i mean i know i know we were in touch i knew about absurd exposition but i was always in my mind like it was like i kind of associated with also punk and metal and things like that and just a general and and in the district and, but like now you're like the the guy in canada you're like the distro in canada for noise yeah I, I mean canada's pretty like the population is pretty small we're pretty widespread all over the place so like it kind of makes sense just to have one main distro per genre almost you know so that's uh but yeah also i don't think anyone even at the time and since has even thought of starting one either you know like there's just you know the 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 customer base is 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 much smaller than a lot of places in the world yeah and canada for people who don't have the frame of reference is massive and you're in um, Montreal montreal now no yeah and like just for comparison, you know, Canadian noise that maybe some people know of being the Rita Rasulka, the Vancouver scene. How far is Vancouver from where you are? Uh, it's like almost on the other side of the world. Like it's it's like like yeah. it's it's like it's like five thousand kilometers or something like that. It's it's crazy. Like it's it's a it's a five hour plane ride. Uh, it's, it's like a five to seven day drive. Like it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the strange thing about Canada is that it's you might as well be in. I mean, yeah, like you said, you might as well be, well be on the other side of the world. But does it have like a centralized um, like post system in the sense that like is is it roughly the same price to send stuff from where you are to far away, or is, it, is that like stepped? Yeah, unfortunately not. It's uh, it's it's by province and and location within the province. So I don't know for for me to send something in Quebec or Ontario, sure it's like eight, nine, ten bucks. But to send it to BC, it's a few bucks more. But and even going to East Coast, which geographically we're closer to here, 
East Coast is like $15, $16, $17 like for a single LP. Like it's kind of crazy. Yeah, because somehow the U.S. seems to still be riding a a great bubble um, with the media mail thing. Yeah, it's very very fortunate they have it there. I haven't, I mean, been partaking in quite a while, but that's like anywhere in the United States for if it's as long as it's media, meaning books or CDs or anything or you know records. It's like I mean, it there it goes up a little bit by weight, but it's pretty much around five bucks, right? Yeah, I remember like I, I spent some time in the states, and I remember shipping a box of like twenty five LPs for like seven dollars. Like this episode of White Centipede Noise podcast is brought to you by Ominous Recordings, based in Sweden, a harsh noise peddling underdog label since two thousand five. Available on CD is the complete discography of Knives, a two thousand five harsh noise collab between the Cherry Point and Pedestrian Deposits John Borges. The threesome slitting 7-inch with the 2020 New York City gig. Also, a reissue of one of the best Harsh Noise albums ever, Black Leather Jesus, Anti, as well as Golden Serenades, Fit, and three of the reader reissues, co-released with Phage Tapes. Tapes by Foul, Schizophrenic Genius, and Split Tape between JSH and Compre Pretor. Visit www.ominousrecordings.com to get your fix. I think it's, I think it's cool. If, I think it's useful to people out there um, who are listening, if we kind of just talk about some of the logistic things that go into running a mail order and distro. So um, I guess being the, being the main person who stocks this stuff um, in Canada where you are, do you, I mean, how, how many customers roughly do you think you have regular customers from Canada. Yeah. From Canada. Uh, well, I actually, cause I've, I'm just in the middle of accounting and closing up the books for last year. Now that I'm all a legit business as, as I know you're kind of going through the same thing too. Um, yeah. it's, uh, it's, I thought it was less, but it's actually about half, half of these, the sales have gone to Canada. Um, but I think a lot of that also too is there, there's definitely more people popping up over the years, like more recently, because compared to the past, you know, it's like a few regular customers here and there, but the last two, three years, maybe the last two years, uh, you just see more and more names kind of popping up, regular people popping up. Um, yeah. so I think it is growing the, 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 a noise fan base is kind of growing and, you know, maybe a new generation is coming around. But, uh, yeah. in, in the past, I was convinced that 90% of my orders were going international mostly to the states but uh it's changing now it's, it's becoming more of a balance okay really okay interesting um do you think canada has a large volume of people that are interested in noise like relative to the states or do you think it's less uh it, well it's definitely less because our population is is a lot less but uh yeah. but yeah. definitely i think now more than ever there's a uh a, a, a noise uh kind of fan base and there's new projects coming up all the time. Like I think there's always been projects, but they're, like I said, I'm becoming more aware of uh, just more names, more people, um, more people popping up and sticking around. Like in the past, it's like, Oh, this new name I never heard of just made an order for me. And then they would just never order again. And now it's like, people are just consistently sticking around. And uh, I think it's just a high time globally for noise anyways. So uh, obviously it's going to have a trickle down uh, effect across Canada as well. Yeah. Do you think the pandemic has, played a role in that uh possibly but I, I feel like this was kind of spiking or you know going up uh before the pandemic even yeah i do too i feel like i felt like 
don't know, around 2019, things started getting really interesting and active. And then all of a sudden everyone was at home with some of them with, you know, extra money from the government for like a year and noise just went crazy. I don't think we would have like, cause 2020 was an insane year for noise. And I don't think it was just like, obviously the pandemic helped, but I don't think if we weren't already on an upwards direction, I don't think that year would have happened. Uh, like it just didn't happen out of the blue because of the pandemic. Like it was already going there. Yeah. yeah. One thing I thought of is I thought, okay, tr- you know, Tronics reemerged at this time, um, which is a label that has always kind of come and gone. Um, but when it's active is like pumping out mass amounts of really high quality CDs and the timing I mean, I was thinking about it. I thought the timing was kind of like maybe, you know, maybe Phil just realized, okay, things are, you know, maybe financially he needed some boost or he had some time and like he was able to put Tronics on like right when the pandemic hit. But then I realized it couldn't have been that way because it's, he started pulling, putting out stuff right before, I think. And the amount of releases that came out like weeks apart must have taken a lot of time to curate, prepare, organize. So somehow uh, that was, I mean, that was like another example of, I think this, this wave hitting right, you know, just hitting the wave at the perfect time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the pandemic obviously sucks, but I think uh, in, yeah, in some way it it came at the right time or, you know, we were ready for it in some weird way, you know, like in a productivity kind of creativity kind of way. So you were, you kind of wrote me recently or we were, we were talking and, you were talking about how you were doing some paperwork, some, some, some bookkeeping and stuff and kind of just thinking about the significance of a distro and the importance of a distro um, in, in an underground scene like noise. Can you tell me about what, what you were kind of going through there? What, 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 what are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, I was kind of thinking, cause like you mentioned, you, you wanted to talk to me on here and I was kind of like, oh, like I didn't really know what we would talk about other than this, which is, which is exactly fine with me. It's, it's what I, what we both do. So it's, it's, it's perfect. But, uh, I was like, man, like, what would I even say? And I was just, the whole process just got me thinking of, of, um, yeah, like the, the role or the function a distro has within like a, a global scene, but also like a, the local scene or local community. Like I, I know there's uh, some uh, definition uh, uh, discrepancies between scene and community, but um, sure. and especially like in Montreal, like and and like Kate was saying in, in her interview, Vancouver too. Like there's there's a lack of uh, venues and real like community kind of spaces for for any kind of underground DIY music not just noise like there's there's kind of the pandemic certainly didn't help but vancouver was already pretty bad for that but um yeah anyways there was some opportunities in town um to potentially take over a space or two like uh there was a cafe that closed down that was already a venue so it was it could have been an easy um changeover to make it another venue or something like that but uh the costs were too prohibitive so uh, I, I decided not to do it, but anyways, it got me thinking about places like dead gods or like skeleton dust, like these places that are sort of community hubs that sort of foster, um, 
uh, you know, just, just the fact that they're there and people can spend time in these spaces rather than sitting at home and trying to, to, to do, to do it on their own. They have this, uh, capacity yeah. of, of building a scene, not necessarily like a scene, like they don't have to dictate anything. Just the fact that they're there, uh, right. it automatically creates this space. So my, my thing with the distro is, uh, like mine, it's all just here in my apartment. I don't have a, uh, a space like that, but, um, a distro has that, um, it's not a power, but it's just this capability of, uh, consolidating a lot of different, uh, ideals and in, into one place, different sounds. And, um, um, I, I had this all like thought out of my head when I, in, when I was driving in the car, I'd be like, Oh, what am I going to say to Oscar now? And I'm just like, I'm kind of, no, I, I, no, I mean, I, I, I get it. I get what you're saying. And I, and I, and I agree. And, um, um, so you think that that exists as a virtual space, so to speak, or as a non physical well, room? Well, I, it, it does, but to, to a much lesser degree, like I think, uh, having that physical community space is, is the important part, uh, of fostering a scene. Cause you know, if it's just in your bedroom or in your office or your apartment or whatever, and no one can see it and you're only an online mail order, what does that really contribute to like a local sort of scene? Like you're, you're, all you're doing is helping the global community, which is also, which is also great. But I, I was just thinking in terms locally, um, yeah. I think we sort of have this responsibility to, uh, to, to stuff closer to home. And I was, I just feel like without a space, it's a little harder. So, okay, what, what do you do? You try, you organize shows, um, you, you do events, you do what you can. Um, yeah. and I mean, that's, that's what you can do. And I, I know in Montreal, it's a little, it's a little different. There's not, uh, there's some activity here. Like, you know, there's people, there's projects, there's, there's whatnot, but there's not really, I would say like a, a, a scene per se. Like there's just a handful of people. Um, I, I mostly do most of the shows that a few other people do as well. But, uh, my goal for whenever the pandemic sort of dies down is just to, um, to try and do more, just tr to try and do more, just, you know, just book more shows, even if no one comes, even if there's no, yeah. even if it's the same people playing all the time, like just do them. Like, um, yeah. And I think my point with having a, a venue or a store is, which also relates to doing shows is if you have the spot or if you do these shows, just the fact that it exists is going to start something, you know, over time. Right. But I do, th I do think, um, you know, it's not to underplay the role of a distro actually in a more macro level, but still not necessarily global or international because, okay, you have something like dead gods, you have a really densely populated city like New York city where a lot of people kind of by nature have potential interest in something like this. And then you have a little shop where, you know, there can be events, parties, discussions, um, you know, one-off releases, you know, but I mean, it's still like, it still might be only 10 or 15 people that are involved in that, like truly. And maybe, maybe, you know, sometimes bigger, maybe sometimes more, but you know, there are all these, for example, yeah, one-off kind of releases that get passed out around among friends who are hanging out there, maybe 10, 15 copies, whatever. 
that's that is cool but that's a that's a layer that's a layer of i think you know of an outwardly expanding thing i think like a district like yours you are regional in the sense i mean canada is so spread out but at the same time canada needs that connection it needs it needs that plug it needs that you know line from these other parts of the world and that kind of you know consolidates it for the local scene even if the local scene is spread out over 5000 right kilometers you know i think you know just the fact that a distro will get something from japan that all these people who maybe didn't know about it or knew about it and thought oh it's you know it's cost prohibitive i can't place a single order for that record from japan if they know that you're getting the goods and you have the good you have good taste and you're following what's going on um you know i assume you have people that kind of rely on you that kind of just just also check what you have in stock and you know follow your follow your lead in some sense is that true yeah absolutely like i and i, I agree with all those points too uh, uh, um but yeah, like I do have people like, I don't know how they do it if they're just refreshing my page every day, but sometimes the second I put something in stock without even posting an update, like it, they start selling like from regular customers. So I don't know if they just have like mm-hmm. times a day that they check or they somehow have like an RSS feed uh, set up for my site. But anyways, yeah, it's um, um, definitely, I mean, that on on the greater, yeah, like you said, the the sort of wider Canadian sort of spread of a, of a scene. Um, absolutely. Like shipping from even the States is incredibly cost prohibitive. Like I, I don't order anything from the States unless it's for the district. Like I just can't justify the cost. Like yeah. it, it just makes no sense. Like tapes become like $30 after shipping. Like it's just right. incredible. Yeah. So um, I, this goes to another point, which I, which I was wanting to make was, uh, I, I, believe, I think regional distros um, make the most sense rather than having a bunch of different, like, uh, like yeah, it's good to have more distros, but I, I think they need to be maybe uh, strategically placed around the world. You know, like it doesn't, in a way for me, it doesn't make sense to have like 10 different distros in the States, for example, like we just said, it costs the same amount to ship anywhere in the States. Why, why is there X amount of distros all carrying the same release that's limited to 100? And they're right. just all staying in the same place because they went to all the, to these same districts. I, I think it's less of an issue now, but um, I I think uh, consolidating things into less in, into larger distros and less spots around the world, I think, is perhaps a beneficial route to take as well. Yeah, I would I would agree. You know, but at the same time, I can see I can see the the approach of this 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 appeal of you know instead of piping it into somewhere where it's going to get directly piped out. It's kind of, it's kind of fun or neat, I guess, to see like, okay, you can think this tape is sold out. You've been looking for it. It sold out from the label right away and blah, blah, blah. And it sold out from the main distros, but then you're cruising the internet or, or, or some email list or something like that. And you find out so-and-so in, you know, some corner of the world has, you know, five copies on hand and that's not really necessarily beneficial to effective distribution. Cause I mean, I think that's, that's important to, to remember, I think, um, in all this, I think the word distribution is key. Um, 
because it's really about getting things out to people. But I mean, but I still think finding, getting things to certain areas where they're still sort of unfound for some time is also has its benefit in the for you know for the for the late for the late sleepers for the people who aren't you know because like I'm sure you have like you said you have your regulars that are you know kind of camping on your site and they're spending regular money and they they pick up stuff and certain things probably sell out within you know hours or whatever and uh you know but yeah i i i, I totally agree with, with with what you're saying um yeah i just feel like it it, it becomes sort of this uh you know it's like okay like you, like you said you think the tape is sold out but really it's just sitting in in these distros that have the same kind of clientele customer base type of thing um but i'm definitely all for you know some someone in some random place in the world I, I'm not going to deny them wanting to stock any of my stuff. Like, I think that's, that's, right. that's, that's totally awesome. You know, like, but I just mean like the same yeah. funneling it to the same sort of region. Uh, I feel kind of is, uh, like redundant in a way, you know, why do you think some people, why do you think so many people want to do that? Like start distros? Yeah. 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 Like, like, I mean, I, a lot of people will be like, I'm starting a distro or, or, you know, I want, I want to distro some of these and, where, you know, there's obviously not really a, a demand for it, but. I, I don't know. Well, I think for me, the big reason why I started it was just because so I could get stuff in an affordable manner for myself, you know, like obviously like I lost a ton of money in the first many years, you know, like I think only recently I started not losing money, but um, it, it still made the cost of that one item for myself affordable, you know, like. Um, right. so I think that's a lot to do with it, but also I think having a label, you almost need a distro by necessity because you need to do trades. You have to trade with people like, yeah. like it's, yeah. it's, it's labels that don't trade. I understand it, but like I, it's, I think they're losing out on, you know, potential distribution just, uh, for that factor. So like, I, I don't, uh, want to stop anyone from making a distro cause I think like, it, it has to be done. And I think the, it, everyone has their own unique taste and like they can curate it in their own way. Um, but yeah. Uh, may, maybe, yeah, maybe it's just that, the, you know, they have a label and the trade factor that, that might be why they're starting distros. I don't know why. Um, I don't see too many more popping up, but there, there are, uh, uh, maybe there's a few more in Europe coming around, but uh, in the States, I feel like they're becoming less actually. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. Yeah. What's so to talk about trading. What's, um, what's the role of trading? as a label in distro? Uh, I don't trade distro stock too much, or I try not to. I mean, if someone really wants something, we're already doing a label trade, like, sure, we'll figure it out. But uh, but label stuff, uh, you know, if... Uh, and I find there's there's a lot of reception for newer labels when they contact me. Uh, maybe I don't have, like, the money to take a chance on them, or, or like, I want to stock their stuff, but I'm not too sure about it. I'm like, hey, like, do you want to trade? They're, you know, they're down to trade. It's, yeah. e it's easy for me. Like, I you know, I've already paid for, for my end of it type of thing. And, um, yeah. um, uh, I was just talking with someone yesterday, uh, who, who was doing stuff in the nineties and they were just saying like, no one paid for anything in the nineties. Like everyone just traded, yeah. you know, like, and I, and I still feel like there's a lot of people that are still around from then that, that really operate, uh, that way. Like, like a lot of the OG Japanese guys, like, like yeah. a few years ago, I, I wanted to buy something from Gilly connector, some stock, 
And he's like, no, like we have to trade. Like you're not buying anything. Right. Like, yeah. You know, so do you think that's lost on some of the newer labels that are starting that they don't really get that? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I think this sort of, uh, um, I don't know, like the, the sort of like Instagram friendly labels. Like, I don't, I don't know if they're even aware that that's a, a thing, you know, like, um, right. Uh, but I, like I said, it's, or maybe they just don't have interest either. Like maybe like their label is just, is just their thing and it's what they want to do. And that's it. But, yeah. um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, 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 I noticed kind of like a different attitude or knowledge. I mean, I guess the, the, the knowledge of how that worked, you just kind of learn by being involved. I mean, I don't know. I can't remember my progression a lot of what i learned i learned from sam uh Stockson, for example mm-hmm. you know about how how labels work how you run a noise label like you make this amount of copies and you give 20 percent to your artists mm-hmm. and then you trade and then at some point you know wholesale became a, t- uh, a topic but but kind of later you know that was always like a, set, a last resort almost like a you know um and I notice I'll, I, I do, I do find it strange sometimes when I'll hit up a newer label because I'll be interested in some of their stuff to stock it. And I'll, you know, I ask about, are you interested? You know, I'd like to stock your stuff. Are you interested in a trade? And it's like, no, but you know, then they have this really weird percentage maybe that they'll knock off the retail price yeah. that they want for wholesale. And I'm just like, you don't understand, like, I have to mark this up and make a little bit of money from it. And if I do that, it's, I'm going to be selling it for like twice what you are selling it for retail. And they're like, Oh, well, you know, maybe we can do like five more percent off. And it's just like, it's just a different, uh, different approach, different attitude, I guess. Yeah. Um, And also too, like, I guess, you know, they're, they're figuring it out too. Like, uh, like hopefully they, they do, uh, adjust to, sort of the the reality of, of things but you know like like you said like when we we're starting out like we didn't know anything like I, I i had no idea what i was doing like my uh my friend in vancouver was like okay like you're doing a label okay now you got to do yeah 20 percent uh to the artists and like this that another thing and wholesale like i still kind of just wing wholesale it's like okay like yeah. you know what's like what's enough off of the retail price, but also where I'm not giving them away, you know, I, I still just kind of wing it on each, on each release, you know, like I, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, I'm curious, can we talk about numbers a little bit? Is sure. that something you want to, <laughs> yeah, I love numbers. <laughs> um, I, I'm curious for my own reference. Cause you, you, you know, you, you do this on a pretty big scale and you seem like you have your shit together a little more than me. Um, <laughs> but I like to talk about how people do their, you know, pricing and things like that. Um, and I've talked to, you know, people from record stores and retail. I talked to Luke Tandy, for example, um, to get some kind of perspective. And, mm-hmm. and, and you also work in a record store. Is that true? Yeah, I do. Yeah. You work in a big record store, right? And yeah. Does that cross over at all with your work with the mail order and the label? Not really. Like I, I think, uh, it's like, maybe we're looking into ways to maybe I can have like a little section in the store. Like it's, it's, it's not like a, uh, a real, uh, thought. I mean, there's a lot going on at the work at the, at the shop right now with the pandemic and, and everything. So it's whatever, but, um, <laughs> the only 
sort of cross with that is uh, if, if there's locals that need pickup, like I, they, they just come to the store, they pick up from me at the store. Mm-hmm. Um, and I use, uh, my boss lets me use uh, the UPS import account. So all my US orders, I just import uh, through my work and then I, I pay them back. But that's, that's kind of the only cross there. Um, cool. Yeah, I don't know, do you want to talk about like markup or? or... Yeah, like for example, for example when you, when you buy something wholesale from a label, what's your standard markup for what you charge retail? Uh, well, I feel mine's, like it's, mine's pretty low, but every time I try to go higher, I'm like, oh, it's too much. No one's going to buy this. So I, I, like, yeah. I really don't know what to do. But uh, for tapes, it's like $3. Uh, CDs and LPs is like 5 bucks, And depending if it's like a big box set, like I'll go higher. Or if if my markup is kind of low, I'll go, oh, what's the label selling it for? Okay, I'll... I'll bump it up to what they're selling because I don't want to undercut the label either. So Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you feel like it's appropriate to undercut a label? I don't think it's appropriate, no, but if the label is, uh, like, depending on the on the release, like, if the label's from super far away, I mean, obviously, whatever price you're going to sell it for is not going to matter. Like, if, if, if it's in, uh, you know, Hiroshima, for example, like, you know, he's selling his thing for 50 euros, but someone's got to pay 20 euro shipping to get it to Canada, like whatever price you said for in Canada, it's, it's going to sell. So like I, but I, as a rule, I don't think uh, a label should be undercut. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and I'm not with any of these questions, I'm not trying to like blow up your spot or, or expose you, but I'm, or like, you know, having you give up too many of your secrets, but I just want to kind of give people a perspective on what, what it's like as a, as a, you know, doing distro and you know, how much, how much, uh, you know, or little profit there is made and, and et cetera. So it's really to make like a, any sort of like profit, like that's, that's mentionable. It's really a big numbers game, right? You have to be just selling a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I, I really, I think the money lies in the label aspect because you can get a higher markup yeah. and, uh, and whatnot. Like a distro sure. is kind of almost just a passion project like even like the bigger it gets like the less money you lose but you're not you know it's not a it's not uh it doesn't supplement your your income from your actual job you know yeah 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 so. do you think that's ever something you could live off of your your label and mail order maybe but it, it's it's uh it's it's it fluctuates too much like you know some months i'm like all right this is it this is great and then the next month it's like okay i need i need my job you know like the, yeah. and it, it seems to be no rhyme or reason. Like it, it's not seasonal. It's not whatever, but it's just like some months are just insane. And some right. months you're like, fuck, what am I doing? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm sure it's the same for you, but yeah. It is. Yeah. I, I mean, I was, I'm really bad at observing trends. My memory is terrible. I don't really know, you know, my, my memory for seasons and things like that is very terrible. So I, I never really observe this, but I've heard people, you know, Oh, you know, winter's really slow or winter's really winter's not winter's great you know yeah people are you know people say the opposite stuff all the time around christmas people go crazy buy tons of stuff around christmas no one has any money no one's buying any stuff and summer is super slow no summer's super hot and you know it's yeah i don't i haven't really like i mean i i could look at my books maybe one of these days and just kind of try to figure out if there are any trends, but that's also, you know, 
dependent on me. You know, what am I doing and what am I? Exactly. Like, it, it really depends also on, on what everyone else is doing too. Like, mm-hmm. like, you know, last year, maybe January was when Tronix put out that huge batch, right? It was when you put out your batch, like with, uh, um, all those great tapes, like, uh, Presage and you're all mm-hmm. and Jackson, like you're, that came out in January. So like that was, you know, that was a huge because all these labels, it, it really, so it, it really is dependent on, it's not just you, it's on everyone. Like, right. Is that what's coming out? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the biggest thing I think. But for for me, like I've been keeping like a, a, a I have like a master spreadsheet since like 2010. So like if I really wanted to, I could see like what was you know what's historically like the greatest months for the last like 12 years. But um, it's like January is often like like super good. Um, I did a Boxing Day sale this year. I don't really do sales, but I did do a Boxing Day sale, and it was super good. And then I did a used drop uh, the day after New Year's, so January 2nd. I did a huge used drop of 150 items. Uh, in the past, when I've done used drops, like, it's been insane. Like, things sold out like crazy. And this drop had some great stuff, and it, uh, it didn't uh, didn't go so hot. But I think everyone probably just spent their money uh, at the Boxing Day sale and, and at others' uh, distro sales as well. And yeah. As an underground operation, how good how good is your bookkeeping? It sounds like pretty good. Uh, I thought it was very good for a long time, but now that I'm like an actual business, I'm like oh fuck, it's not. It wasn't. Uh, you know, there's some things that I was missing, and then like I wasn't counting for whatever reason. I was keeping track of it, but I wasn't counting shipping as income, even though because okay. you know, it's not really income. Like, but you're you're charging the customer shipping and you're collecting it, so it is income. But I always kept that right. off to the side. So I was like, oh, no, I only made, like, this much money. Like, I don't need to register as a business. And then once I factored that in, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, like it, cause, <laughs> you know, it's like 10 grand over a year and just shipping alone. It's kind of nuts. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what was your question about, about how good is my book? I guess about bookkeeping. I guess for my own references, because like you said, I'm in, I'm in Germany now, and I've been, I'm pretty terrible at bookkeeping. Um, I've had to f- register as a business here, too, and they don't play around here. And I'm just trying to get my, you know, my ducks in a line and, and, you know, just, it's interesting how you can operate for such a long time just on trades and kind of just the flow of things. And then once you start having to really make it official, it's really tough also, you know, it's hard to, I've been trying to talk to tax uh, consultants and like, they don't understand, they don't understand trades. They don't understand um, a lot of stuff. And it's hard to explain that in normal business terms to, you know, what, what we do. Yeah. I, I was pretty lucky here. Um, like there, there's accountants an accountant firm here that kind of comes from sort of like the punk hardcore kind of scene. So they, or they're at least like, a, you know, know people that are from this type of thing. So um, the accountants that I have, they know what's up. You know, like I was like talking, like, what do I do? Like when this happens or if, what if I want to keep something for myself? And they're like, oh, yeah, if you want to keep a record for yourself, like you just do this, whatever. And like, um, so it took me a while to get on the phone with them. It was like a, it was a monthly, month long, several month long ordeal just to get a hold of them. But uh, once I had the phone call with them and we just discussed everything, like they knew what was up. Like they, so uh, it's, it's been pretty, uh, um, reassuring to have the accountant know what you're actually doing you know like what kind of curation do you do as a label do you do you or as a, as a distro do you um 
are you finding yourself you pick up things that you want people to get into? Are you picking things based up on based upon you know what you know they're into? Or I, I assume some some blend of both. But what's what's kind of your focus? Yeah, it, it's a blend. A, it's definitely a, a blend. Um, and it's a lot of it also is, is based on label. Like, you know, it's like, oh, this label just dropped this batch. Yeah, I'm getting everything, you know, otherwise some labels, okay, I'll grab a couple releases from this label. Some label will grab everything, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I know you're really on top of it this way. And I, I used to be more, I kind of fell off, but I know you're, you seem to be more on top of just getting everything. You just get everything, which is, I used to spend a lot of time working on that. And I, I kind of fell off on that. Um, but I feel like that that's also a good way to do it. You know, like just some, some self-released thing from nowhere that no one knows about. Like, I like, that's what you got to try and find. That's, that's, that's kind of like the heart of, of everything. But uh, yeah, curation, like it's mostly, it's mostly label curation. I would say based on label more than, more mm-hmm. than release really. Yeah. I, I do try to get everything in the sense, you know, I do try to get, the big stuff for sure. Um, but a lot of that stuff has plenty of, I mean, not plenty, but there's, there's distribution for that. I really like to go for, like you said, some smaller label or smaller artist self-release stuff for a number of reasons. Um, you know, the first being that I want to just give that person a chance to get it out. And a lot of people will be just happy that the fact that they can, you know, maybe 10 of their tapes are going to be outside of the United States, for example, because um, that's, you know, hard. They don't get orders from outside the United States, especially if they're unknown. And I think, I think that's like the label does have that uh, influence, not like an intentional influence, but it's like, it'll come into the shop and people who order from me will be like, Oh, what's this? And some random shit that I'm really not sure of. And just kind of like, yeah, let's try this out. Um, seems interesting. That stuff will sometimes just fly off the shelves and then blow up in some way, not blow up, but you know, people will then, and that, and, and I really like try to try to do that. Um, but also it's like, I also, from a business standpoint, see the same way. Cause I think that stuff sells oftentimes more than the, than the stuff that is more known. I mean, of course, bigger labels are guaranteed to do well, but, and I stock large, amounts of them but you know if it's something that i smell as being like interesting or decent you know you can kind of tell if it's some crap yeah um, then i probably don't take that chance but a lot of times i can like sense that it's something unique or interesting or with some quality it's like that stuff will go in a minute because i mean that's the whole reason i started the distro in the first place is just because you can't you can't get any of like ordering any stuff from the United States was impossible. It's impossible. Yeah. And it's the same in Canada, I suppose. It's just, yeah. you know, if you want, if you want to check out a tape by someone, um, yeah, you're going to pay 20, you know, 25, $30 for it. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't make I sense. Mean, you can't, you I, can't take chances I, on I, things I, like that. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I just had this kind of mindset, like at least five copies or 10 copies of something must be sellable like you know here so that's um yeah it's something i try to do but it gets harder and harder you know it's yeah when i was especially since starting the podcast i must say like this this takes a, a newfound uh, amount of my time that you know i haven't i used to really just take a lot of time chasing that stuff and just being like 
writing anyone I saw with anything interesting and being like, I want to get it. I'll buy it. Yeah. Same, same here. And like, I used, okay. I used to spend more time just on Instagram, seeing people, what people are sharing and like, and going that route. Yeah. And uh, even if it's stuff that I wouldn't even want myself, like, well, you know, someone's talking about this, someone, you know, it's, it's, it's worth bringing in. And I, I do find also with that yeah. stuff, especially self-release stuff or, or whatever that doesn't have a description. I feel like you got to spend a little bit of time writing at least a little description yourself. Um, otherwise yeah. it might just sit there for, forever. And like, I, and I know that helps me even because uh, sometimes I'll hear something and I, you know, you know, it doesn't really catch me and I kind of brush it off. And then like a little while later I read something and I'm like, Oh, I should recheck that out. And you're like, Oh shit, it's actually really good. Why didn't I bring copies in? Like, you know, it, something needs to click. Yeah. And I feel like having a little, yeah. blur, spending the time to write a little blurb uh, can go a long way. Yeah. Do you feel like you have the trust of uh, some people like in Canada? Do you feel like you have their, their ear and they, you're able to put them onto certain things. Do you have people who, do you have people who write you, for example, looking for recommendations? A few people, not a lot, but a few people. I think most of most people kind of know uh, what they're after. But uh, like for example, there's um, there's a tape by, by this project Murmur from Toronto. Uh, they just he just you know we did a little trade and uh, you know I, I I feel like that's an example where if I didn't write a little little blurb in my newsletter, I don't think. It, it would have went anywhere because it was, it's pretty low key. Like no one, no one knows about it. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, I wrote, the, put, the, put the blurb in the newsletter and I sold two the first day. So, um, but yeah, there are some people that come in, uh, and you know, send me emails for recommendations and whatnot. And, uh, but it, it's not that, uh, it's not that common because I, mm -hmm. I do think people are kind of set with what they want, you know, like, um, they're, you know, they're just waiting. Like I said, they're just refreshing the page, waiting for, something they see that they like, you know, sure. but, uh, yeah. but those, this last few weeks actually have, maybe it's cause people got Christmas money or what, but tons of like, not tons, but like several very large orders that were like very diverse. Like, yeah. uh, like I, I'm kind of all over the place with my tastes and I was like looking at these and I was like, man, this is like me ordering something. Like it's not just someone just yeah. ordering like just the harshest noise or just ordering power electronics. It was like a mix of, everything yeah. across the board. And I was like, this is, this is interesting. I think distros are so important when you're getting into noise too. Cause I remember the early days, you know, you could find, you could, you made your contacts and did some trading individual orders, but then, you know, saving up some cash and then having, you know, 150 bucks to spend at Hanson or, or make a big order at freak animal or whatever, and just going through and just spending, you know, an hour going through or for the, the self-abuse catalog, you know, it was, it was A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and it was all mixed in there. And that's another, like another place, of course, it's a big distro, but you had a lot of gems sitting there for a long, long time. And I, you know, you'd write your list and, and I would be surprised sometimes to see, is this really in stock? This can't really be in stock. And a lot of times, yes, yeah, in stock. And then just getting, you know, every, few months this package this mixed package and that being kind of your way to you know you're not i wasn't asking for recommendations but kind of just trusting in the in the stuff that's in there and going off the names that you've seen and heard and finally you know f finding one place where you can you can load up on a lot of it and i guess that's one of the nowadays because i mean band camp is there so everyone kind of has the chance to preview a lot of stuff and, and hear it first 
and social media is there. So everything is really visible in some way. It's still, it's still strangely like unsystematic. I feel, you know, how that information is, is presented on Instagram, for example, Instagram, you know, it has its algorithms and, you know, you follow your people, but it's still really like scattered, you know, it's not like you go to the where everything's going on and and so that was kind of the cool thing about the distro is like it was like a concentrated spot where you know you just knew you could go shopping here and yeah and i guess that's a, maybe a reason also to why why i started a distro because like i said there, there's none of that in canada i don't know if there's ever been a noise distro in canada really like 80s 90s anytime i, I really don't know like the closest thing maybe was alienate because because gary has uh, the cheap thrills uh record store um but i mean i, I wasn't living in I was, you know i wasn't involved or on this side of the country at, at that time so um but yeah i feel like instagram is, is taking uh i don't know it feels like it's going really downhill with what they're pushing with the algorithms and the ads and everything that i, I feel like there might i don't know it, it feels like something new might be around the corner i don't know it's hard to envision what it would be but i feel like people are ready to to take it somewhere else right. i don't know yeah. I don't know. It, it for for what it is at the base. If you strip out the algorithm and whatever, it's it's perfect. But it's it's just they're damaging themselves for at least what what we're into, anyways. I don't know. Right. Right. Yeah. I guess I just recently started using it like pretty actively, and I haven't really. Yeah. I mean, it's just a place where everyone can post their shit and everyone's looking at it. So I mean. Yeah, I, I definitely like it more like Facebook. Like, I'm kind of I'm kind of dead on Facebook. I just. You know, it's no interest to me. But just for the same thing, yeah, like you go on there and you yeah. never see, you can never find what you want because you have to scroll through everything else just to get to new posts that you want to see. This episode of White Centipede Noise podcast is brought to you by Scream and Ride Distro and Absurd Exposition Label, Canadian-based source for experimental electronics, harsh noise, etc. Over fifteen hundred items in stock on all formats. Media mail shipping to the USA and affordable international shipping coming early twenty twenty two. Hermit Chick White Split Tape. Two distinct vocal noise approaches from opposite coasts of Canada. Neural, objective constraint tape. Unreleased material from 1996. Mott and Violent Shogun. Mangle tape. Split and collaborative tape works. Andrew Nolan and Misery Engine. Split tape. Cosmic Industrial Dusty Noise Malaise. The Rita. Herschel the Shoot tape. Sputtering crunch of obsessive minimalism. Alex York double tape. Tape and synth works for melancholy mood. Visit screamandride.com and absurdexposition.bandcamp.com. What would you tell a new label trying to get started and like get their stuff heard? You know, we're. To, I mean, I guess you you run a you run a really great label too. So I mean, we're talking about all about your mail order stuff right now, but that's not to downplay your the stuff you release. On your own, under your own imprint. So maybe switching to that. Um, uh, I guess for like it would be to not use my label as an example because I feel like my labels that I tend to trust and always like respect and will just buy everything, even just for myself, are labels that sort of carve out this niche where it's like, like, uh, like White Centipede, for example, like it's just like, okay, it's on White Centipede, it's going to be like the best harsh noise of the, of the year, or at least, you know, in in that realm of it's going to be a good harsh noise release, whereas a lot of labels, well, not a lot of labels, but like myself, it's, like I said, I have too many varied interests. I'm kind of like a pretty widespread and 
it, uh, I try to do like batch bundle deals, you know, um, you can get all 10 releases for the price of nine or price of eight, just so people will check out the random yeah. things in there. Yeah. Um, but I feel yeah. like having this sort of niche that you kind of carve out is maybe important for, uh, for newer labels at least. It doesn't have to be exclusively that, because like I said, even you look at Tronix and he's, he's pretty widespread. Too. I mean, it's harsh noise, but like it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not, uh, it's not pigeonholed really. But uh, just because there's so many labels now, and like even yesterday, like I was like, oh, I got to bring in stock now. And I was like, shit, like, there's like five labels I've never even heard of that have new batches out. And it's like, okay, like, yeah, it's. I, I think there needs to be. I don't know. Maybe there needs to be no rules, really. I, I like uh, no guidelines. Just, uh, just, just go for it. Maybe not in terms of what they what they um, release, but how they how they interact, how they market it, how they, you know. I sometimes I hear people kind of I don't want to say complaining, but yeah, complaining that their labels aren't taking off or, or no one's interested. I mean. Do you think, do you think uh, there needs to be some sort of different attitude towards how they run a label or, or what they expect from their label? Yeah, I, I think people shouldn't expect releases to sell out on day one, you know? Or if they do sell out, they should realize that it sold out because they only made 15 copies. Like, like it, it can't be based right. on this sort of, uh, like, uh, validation kind of aspect, you know? Like, um, I think people need to press in realistic quantities and... Uh, um, be open to trades because trades is what are what, especially if you're a new label, that's what's going to get your stuff around. Um, because it's harder for people to take chances with money than it is on money they've already spent. Uh, right. I think, yeah, I, I think it's this, it's again, it kind of goes back to this sort of Instagram oriented thing where it's, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I mean, I'm, many people have already talked about it on, on the podcast already, but it's just, um, yeah, it's just this, it's this, it's this new way of doing it. That's very out of touch with, with the way that everyone else is doing it. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's, uh, like they have no reference. I think because they're coming up, just these people are coming up exclusively on Instagram. They have no reference. They don't have, like, you know, they don't have the, they never went to the triple R website and saw the triple R catalog. They're never on the Tronics board. They never experienced it any other yeah. way. So they don't know that there's another way to do it. You know, what do you think is, I mean, this is a general kind of abstract question, but what is the motivation of having a label? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think I mean, it's kind of crazy. This is kind of a crazy thought. I've, I mean, like, why do we and so many people want to spend our times, our time putting out music on a tape of someone else and trying to get people to like it and like want to buy it or, or listen to it or sell, you know, like what's that about? I think, I, I guess it's just like what you want, like putting out stuff that you want to see out there, but then it just becomes too easy. Like, it's like, okay, like, like, um, like it becomes, yeah, I don't know. It's, I guess, yeah, it was just, I wanted to see stuff being released um, that wasn't being released, which is why I started putting stuff out. But it, it, I'm trying to figure out the words of what I'm trying to say. It's like, 
I also don't know what I'm getting at, and I'm just trying to think about it for myself, and I'm trying not to be too, like, generally critical of certain trends I see, but, I mean, I feel like sometimes it's maybe, you know, if particularly if you're put, starting a label and trying to put out stuff that's already very popular. This is a thought that's just coming to me right now. I've, I've never really, like, chewed this over, but I guess I, I ask myself what the, what the point of that is. Like, you start a label... And there's already a bunch of other labels doing the same thing, and you want to get these hot projects to release also that are also being released at the same time without kind of putting something new forward or, or you know putting your own music forward or, 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 or giving exposure to something that isn't being exposed. Right, and um, I, I think that goes back to like like it's it's a fresh like when I just started my label too, like I wanted yeah like I wanted to put out who I thought was cool, and I didn't like. Um, I, I think it's always kind of been that way, um, or at least, you know, in, in, in the modern uh, internet kind of times, but, uh, I, and I do feel like it's a good, you know, a, a foot in the door. It's like, okay, I'm going to do this big name release and I, I want to establish on the scene, but it's also, um, uh, you know, it's trial and error and, uh, there's, there are labels that kind of could just come fresh with all these names you never heard of um great releases those are the labels that i try to find out that there are so many bad ones actually that you know you there's so many bad labels that well i don't want to say bad but labels that put out a bunch of stuff and you've never heard of it and then you kind of browse through and you realize okay it's a lot of you know your buddies yeah kind of messing around but at the same time i think that's in some way of uh a more noble approach i don't know like that you're doing a label in order to push something forward that needs to be pushed forward or in your mind, at least, you know, you think. Yeah. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of bad at that too, where like I, because there, I feel like it's maybe less now, but there's like, there's often like an influx of labels that are, you know, the stuff isn't, isn't very good. And you're kind of, you know, so when a new label, like I'm really bad at this, when a new label comes around and it has to be for stock, I'm kind of like, Oh fuck. Like, you know, I, sometimes I don't check it out and I'm just like, man, like, you know, or I take a chance. I'm like, okay, I'll grab like one or two things and then I sell it right away. I'm like, fuck, like what? Like, I'm just like, I have this own bias where I, I, I just assume it's not going to be good because it's not uh, a name that I already know. So it's- absolutely. I've noticed that too. And I, and I love that feeling. Actually, I love when I'm wrong. I love when I, when I feel like, oh God, I'm sitting, I, I did this trade or whatever to be kind of, you know, to be supportive and, and, and nice and I've got all this stuff and who's going to want this. And then I love when people buy it. Just, I mean, of course, I mean, I'm making back my money or whatever. That's, that's one aspect of it. But I mean, I love just seeing that my preconceptions were also wrong and that there's, that there's that there are people who are hungry for more than what I can imagine, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's really cool. Yeah. This episode of White Centipede Noise Podcast is brought to you by Cruel Symphonies, intrepid noise from Syracuse, New York. Recent releases include cassettes by Ballerina in Blood, Parasite Nurse, Territorial Gobbing, Afternoon Tea Time, Klein Quartet, Maltreatment, Genophobia, GX Jupiter Larson, White Widow, Dagger, KPG, Za, and Cadaver. Cruel Symphonies thanks you for your support. It is due to the generosity of customers like you that we are able to fulfill our mission of printing J-cards that make print shop employees uncomfortable. 
who are some uh, who are some influential Canadian figures for you when you were getting into this? Not necessarily as artists. I mean, I guess there's a lot of crossover between artists, but maybe also other people who are doing um, labels or, or or organizing or kind of working more of the the infrastructure of of noise. You know. Uh, well, so I'm from, I'm from the Vancouver area, uh, so like that whole click there was kind of really important uh to me and, and still is um er, early on i started working uh with anju from uh, the nausea uh she was always doing the vancouver noise fest uh so in like 2011 it was like the third noise fest i think um i was still living like an hour and a half outside of the city and i, I drove in um both nights to the fast paid like 30 bucks parking each night and whatever. But, uh, I had like my little distro, like I, I just killed my other one. I just started absurd exposition as a distro. So I had like, I don't know, some special interests. I think I, as loud as possible was in stock as well. Um, but that's like that fest is kind of where I met everyone. Like I, I, I don't think I met the Rita at that point, but we were not long after we were emailing, but uh, like the Rita play, like I met taskmaster uh mm-hmm. mass marriage played and i have no recollection somehow um but uh like that night you know like and like anju and i would talk on the phone like all the time just like planning and stuff and whatever so for the next several years i was helping her once i moved to vancouver like we did the noise fest uh together uh for a few years until i moved to montreal but uh like so just by doing the fest that was uh that opened a lot of things uh just perceptually for me um mm-hmm. the rita like sam mckinley was very uh I, I he still seems to be to this day is to, to to people he's very uh he makes it easy you know he kind of encourages you to 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 go for what you want to do you know and he's you know um just hanging out with him like spending time with him at his house and just even just emailing like um it was, it was like very rewarding uh uh in that regard so I, i'd say that and also like the victoria kind of scene like like ron uh griefer um i only made it to one of the victoria noise fest because the, the last year he did it was the first year that i moved to the area um but uh yeah just that that whole sort of vancouver thing like rosalka and everything and uh that uh i guess that kind of started getting me in the right direction. Were you like involved or around at least watching in that kind of mid late two thousands period? Um, well, so yeah, like I said, I lived an hour and a half away. So I was only going to the city like now and again. Um, and then eventually I'd say, I guess like after 2011 is kind of when I started really being involved in in the scene there. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, like everything, yeah. Any noise show after 2011, like I was, I was at, you know, or, or I booked. Yeah. What's the main difference between Vancouver and where you're at now? Like in terms of scene culturally, uh, Vancouver and Victoria area, they've always been like the stronghold for Canada, even though noise, well, I was going to say noise kind of started over here, but it's not really true because in the you know late seventies, early eighties in Vancouver, there was like Tunnel Canary and 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 GX 
uh, was living in Vancouver. So the first couple haters releases are actually Canadian noise releases. Um, but, uh, yeah, over here it's, uh, I don't know. It's it's, like I said, there's a handful of people and like with, with sort of the same mindset, but there's, uh, a lot less activity here, you know, but, uh, Mm -hmm. like Nick, like Taskmaster lives here and like, you know, so there, there's, and Flat Gray was here for a while. He moved back to, to Vancouver. Uh, we actually crossed paths. Like we had, we had dinner together cause he was moving West and I was moving East at the same time, driving across the country. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty low key here, you know? So I'm just trying to do more. Uh, the pandemic kind of stalled a lot of things we were trying to do, uh, like, uh, bi-monthly sort of noise night at a local bar here and we did one and then the second one got canceled by the pandemic but uh we'll bring it back like locals only kind of noise nights and and now actually neural he just moved uh he lives just like an hour north of montreal now so he's he's around he's always down to play too so um so oh, there's yeah. there's potential to foster uh uh a slightly uh more cohesive sort of scene here what about your projects what are what are you you know you you do primitive isolation tactics. Um, what's that project all about? If you could just kind of give us a little information about that, uh, how you started. How, well, it started. Uh, I mean, I, I wanted to do a, a project for years, and I kind of just did like random stuff of very little consequence, even to my own satisfaction. Over the years, I wasn't uh, too much into anything, but. Uh, um, I don't know. Like I've been thinking about starting a project for a while, and then there was a show in town. It was uh, uh, intensive care and violent tent, and then and Limsbin played. And like I'm pretty good friends with Josh, like Limsbin, and he like we'd been talking about. I mean, we talk almost every day, but we were talking about stuff for a while. And after the show, he's just like, "I got something for you." I was like, "What?" And he just he I had to buy it from him, but he brought me a mixer. I was like, "Oh shit, okay." And then. Um, that night after the show, like, cause Ryan Bloomer plays in, uh, intensive care. We just sat at the bar at the venue and like, he just like schooled me on the mixer like all night. And, uh, I don't remember a lot of it. Cause like I said, we were just like drinking at the bar, but, uh, it was just a very, uh, like, uh, encouraging sort of, uh, uh, evening or night, you know? And, uh, just the, just the mixer itself. Yeah, like it's just like, oh, if you do this with this and then that with this and you can do this and this one's cool because you can do that and like all, all that kind of stuff, you know? Um, cool. So, yeah, and then after that, I was just, I just like, you know, I was just like fucking around and mm-hmm. I, it eventually just became primitive isolation tactics. Like the first tape, I was doing everything manually. Like I, you know, I was, I was recording a minute of something onto my like Tascam, uh, like handheld recorder, putting it into my computer. It, and then chopping it up and, and, or, you know, adding it together. So it lasts for like three minutes instead of one minute, you know, like it's super rudimentary. And, uh, yeah, since then I just, I, it's, uh, it's just, it's more something that I do, uh, when I have a feeling for it. Cause like, I, you know, the distro takes up so much of my time. Like I work all day at the record store, come home and work all night at my record store. You know, it's, it's like, I don't often have a lot of time, but, uh, you know, when the inspiration strikes and, and whatever, I just kind of, kind of, kind of go for something a little less involved now. Like I'm not doing a, a lot of, uh, time consuming, uh, like I said, like those loops or whatever, like I'm not really doing too much of that anymore, but, uh, 
yeah, just kind of kind of go with the mood. Oftentimes, it's, it's I'll, I'll be listening to a project and I'm like, oh shit, like uh, this, like fuck, I'm, I, this has got me going now. I want to do something. Or even when you know the podcast started, I was listening to it all the time. I was like, all right, I got the buzz again. You know, let's let's do let's do something. So, cool. Yeah. What about um? Uh, I have one question actually. Uh, just back to what you said about going home and working at night. Just curious, how many hours a week do you put into working on on the label and distro? Uh, I don't keep track, but it's, it's, it's a lot. Like it's like, it's, but at the same time, it's not like, uh, it's like, yeah, it's work, but I don't, it's not, you know, it's not work, you know, like it's, it's, it's like a passion project, you know? So it's like, I mean, right now it's a hell of a lot because like I said, I was closing out the books for last year. Like I spent 12 hours at my computer the other day, just doing inventory and all this shit. And like, and whatever and a lot of late nights this week but generally generally once it's uh like not a crazy season like this i can kind of even set yeah. times where it's like okay it's wednesday uh i'm just i'm just gonna go home after work and, and do something what else you know and then it's like thursday it's like okay I'm, I'm going to the post office tomorrow so i gotta do all the work tonight and you know yeah. so i i have been able to sort of like a lot uh mm-hmm. more time for myself but uh it, it is like an everyday every all three hours type of thing you know like you know, right and then for you it kind of seems the same thing huh like you're you're, you're, yeah, just, sure. you're especially with the podcast too you must be going crazy back to but back to your projects you um you recently have been messing around with a project with uh, nick right from taskmaster yeah yeah what's obscene, that all about obscene mirror that, that uh, so mirror. so we like like that uh, the monthly noise night thing that I was talking about before, um, we sort of did a second one on Halloween. It was like an afternoon kind of show outside, and like a, a friend of mine sort of helps me with with the uh, the, sh- the events as well. But kind of the rule of where we didn't want repeat projects, and Nick had played the first one, and I I I wasn't really w- wanting to do a solo set at the second one. So I was like, Nick, let's just collab. Uh, here's the name. It's from a Jess Franco film. Uh, let's just let's just do it. So like, we had one like jam that was uh, I was not really prepared for. Um, but then we, we just sort of wang it, wang it. Was I don't know what the the uh, past tense word of. Wang it. <laughs> um, uh, we, so we just winged it, and uh, that was that. But we're gonna we're gonna do more focused stuff and actually get some some recordings done. I think Nick wants to do something on on his label that he's starting up and uh, or restarting, I should say. And uh, yeah, um, and I, I think we owe something. I think we in, individually we owe something for the angst labels, and we might just consolidate that into obscene year and send it over. So cool. Yeah. But it's just nice. it's just harsh noise, pure harsh noise. Yeah. yeah. What What are your thoughts about competition? Like, do you feel like, I mean, okay, you, it's easy to say right now. And, you know, you said, cause you're, cause you're the only guy, you're the only distro in Canada, basically. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you said, Oh, I don't think there's a need for other distros to exist. Well, like, <laughs> no, I just, I just, just feel some, <laughs> some kids like, Hey, man, I'm starting a distro too. Like, what, what would you, what would you think about that? I, I, I don't see it as competition. And I, and I do think, yeah, like distros are important. I, I, what I, what I really meant with that is just like, I don't think there needs to be, I mean, yeah, there doesn't need to be the same distros in the same region type of thing, but I'm not going to stop anyone or be upset if someone starts a distro. Uh, and I don't, 
I don't feel like there's any competition. Like it's it's like we're like we're all in the same boat. Like it's all the same thing. It's yeah. not like like yeah like even if someone started another distro in Canada, I, I think you know some of the labels that are kind of popping up now have distros, and that's that's great. Like because even like I said, within yeah. Canada, it's a uh, there is a cost difference within the country. So if someone wants to do something on the west coast, that's yeah. You know, so no, that's a that's a huge point actually. I didn't really realize that. That's Canada being so huge. There is maybe room for mm-hmm. you know you're on the east coast, you're you're, you're near the east coast. Yeah, there's maybe room for one out west or you know another one because yeah, it's and, a huge country. And especially and, like I said, because Vancouver is such uh, like a, a hotbed, the stronghold kind of for it, like. Like there are some labels out there now, like Bent Window is a newer label from there, and there's Arriving Flesh uh, Productions, and of course, like Lake Shark, Harsh Noise has always been there. But um, yeah. yeah, but at, at the same time too, though in Vancouver, it's such a, a stronghold, but it's just this core couple handfuls of people, and it's kind of always been that. Like maybe newer blood now, but it's it's just that same core that's kind of been keeping torchbearers for. 10, 15 years, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't think there's, it's anyone should see it really as competition or, or trying to outdo the thing, anyone, whatnot. Like, I think, uh, I don't know. I think we kind of have a good thing going uh, as it is now. And I mean, the, the more the merrier. Like, as much as I've kind of maybe said contrary, I didn't really mean it in such a negative way, but, you know, the, the, sure. um, the more, uh, um, yeah, just, more or maybe less and better or just more and better, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Both. But I do think, you know, active, I mean, I guess you, there's a bubble in some ways that can, then can burst, but I do think activity breeds enthusiasm, which breeds activity and, and quality. So exactly. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that was actually the point that I was trying to ramble to uh, very earlier when I was talking about like the, the role of distro in a local kind of, setting uh is yeah. is it just for, it just it just helps that cycle for sure one unrelated thing that i wanted to just say on this episode of the podcast that i hadn't brought before and i just feel like i need to give credit where credit is due um jason jason kushner i um he did some he was a guest on a podcast called blown speaker blown speakers um and i actually he, he he linked it on the special interest forum like three months ago maybe and it was it was a youtube podcast like skype style like this um he's sitting there wearing a hat with a big like a emoji poop on it and he's talking about uh kazumoto endo's uh while you're out album with some other guy I think I think I think the podcast is a generally a music, general music podcast by another guy living in Japan, but he was just sitting there and telling this guy who didn't really know much about noise music about this album, super, super excitedly and stoked like he does. He was drinking the entire time, getting more and more like his writing as he went along you know i mean you you've read sadi's writing right i I, I skimmed this video actually too i didn't watch it but i I skimmed through some of it yeah 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 and 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 you know it's not maybe perfect but this was actually the 
fully the 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 key for me to start White Stampy Noise podcast. Oh shit! Because I I was you know I I I don't really listen to podcasts. Um, the only ones I do follow are uh, video podcasts, and it's like a few random ones like hip hop podcasts, just that I got randomly into because I like the format and there was like interesting shop talk about a topic that I'm not really involved in, but it was like that. And then I was just, you know, there are some really great noise podcasts out, but not in this format. And then I was just watching this and it was just him on a video screen talking to a guy that talked about noise. And I was like, God, I can see Saudi's face. That's crazy. Like that's so fucking crazy. Cause this guy writes and he's been writing in the scene for so long. Forever, this is yes. such a character. Seeing his face. This is wild. This is radical. And that was, that was really it. So I, I just felt like I wanted to, um, get that out there to uh, everyone that they should check that out for sure. I just saw there's a new one that came up, um, which I haven't watched yet, which he's also a guest. I'm talking about some other album, the Fugs first album. I don't even know who the Fugs are. But, yeah, like um, early early punk band or something like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's one where he's talking about while you're out. It's really cool. He's just pulling out all the noise CDs and tapes and holding up the camera um, he just dives into it really deep. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to shout that out. Yeah, I should check give, actually uh, check the whole video. The, the hat kind of turned me off, but uh, I should have uh, just <laughs> went with it. <laughs> it's a, I mean, the dude's a freak, but yeah, um, yeah he's come around too. He's, he's ordered uh, uh, a couple. He's he's ordered uh, in recent months. He's ordered several times, so he's uh, yeah, he's, uh, cool. It's, he's it's, a, it was great to connect with him. Hardcore, yeah, definitely yeah. the hardcore. Hardcore fan, hardcore maniac. He does a lot. I think he does. You know, he's he's a person. I think does a lot for, for noise. Even just in his own way, just yeah. just writing. You know, he's another person that just his voice is significant. And, you well, know, that, that actually reminds Eric, me. One thing, one thing that I did want to 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 bring up too was like I I feel like people there like there's lots of people writing and lots of good writers and whatnot, but I feel like there's not necessarily a consolidated place for it like I, i'm always struggling when i put something out i was like where do i send this for a review you know what i mean like like you can send it to noise receptor if it kind of falls into industrial you can send it to cypher and, and whatnot but the, there's not a lot of places to send things for a review um that seem to be worthwhile you know um like i can think of like yeah. two, two places that i wouldn't send things to review and then other than that it's like okay like where where do you go like yeah yeah there's a really good um, editorial in the upcoming special interests, uh, a long, long, long editorial about that topic, um, which will be, which is really, like, shed, is a really sheds a lot of light on that topic. But yeah, that, you're right. I mean, reviews, um, yeah, and that's that's the topic of this editorial. Is are reviews still relevant, or what's the point of reviews? And I mean, it kind of it's it's a little bit more deep i guess than what are the point what's the point of distros because distros are a very practical thing but also what are the point of reviews it's kind of like you know what, what's the point of reviews when there's band camp what's the point of reviews when you know but at the same time i think it it, it is a very important curatorial uh thing that you know it's not about you know gatekeeping it's not about keeping things out but it's about like shining the proper light on on things and and the more the merrier that was the thing that i think the reason special interest stopped is because he realized he was the only one writing the reviews in some way 
and you know kind of like how what's my authority to be the only one that's like telling people what they should listen to and not like I think there should be a lot, lot more reviews. I can't write a review for shit. I don't like doing it, but um, I'm I'm trying to be better at it. Like I, I'm just trying to be better at writing in general. Like I, I'm 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 really into like films, and I, I watch tons of movies every year. And I'm just trying to not necessarily make it a waste of time. And I just want to like do some more writing. Like I'm doing something for the next issue of Untitled for their film kind of section. But I'm also trying to yeah to do more reviews. Yeah. I started doing it in my newsletter updates from Distro, but I don't always have time. Um, but I, I do think that, yeah, reviews have this important place where obviously they're important in the moment to help with promotion of, of the release, but they're also documentation for the future. You know, like it's always fun to go back and read, uh, an old review and, and if it never gets reviewed, the, the release just remains this sort of mystery or even gets lost to time really, you know? Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I feel like. Yeah, like documentation, like there was this discussion on special interest, like documentation versus coverage and whatnot. And I feel like, yeah, we just need like more zines, more podcasts, more re- reviews, yeah, like sure. all of this. We just need more of it. Yeah. More quality. Yeah, absolutely. It can't be underestimated the importance also of certain message boards that existed, like the, the Tronics board. Yeah. I've, I said one time on the, I said one time somewhere like, it would be great if someone had the backups and like printed a book or something about it. And I think overall, like that's the last thing anyone needs. But I mean, I do think that a lot of that information that was there was so vital and important. Yeah. Uh, and it's just lost. It's just hundred percent lost. Doesn't exist anymore at all. And that's a shame. Yeah. And that's why I think, you know, just doing something let's, like even just doing this podcast, I don't think that this podcast is like especially good that I'm doing it especially good, but I'm just, I just thought like there should be at least like a, I mean, there are podcasts, but there should also just be like more simple podcasts doing interviews with people. Like exactly. we're not, we're not at the point where we need to like get beyond that or we're like, that's, that's old hat at this point. I think it's like, that's kind of basic. Yeah. Like we're, we're uh, catching up now. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's like meat and potatoes, uh, coverage of an important an extreme important culture that doesn't exist so i mean that's like that that's my motivation so i really hopefully there will be more and more and more and you know elevate the the coverage to higher higher levels and higher standards and and you know there are people that can do it there are people that can write great there are people that can do all that great um, yeah, some of these people that are just more. reviewing on the special interest board or even on the noise now playing. I, I mean, I'm really off Facebook now, but like some of those reviews are incredible. Just uh, they're so well written. Like especially uh, exactly. especially uh, Eric uh, Newstrand's uh, stuff is just like it's like yeah, I don't know, it's it's uh, like uh, philosophical level. You know, <laughs> like it's just like, yeah, yeah. And he he <laughs> he said in his interview he writes about everything he listens to. That was amazing to, to hear and to see that. He has, um, note, he has notebooks full of uh, reviews from everything he's listened to. Like, yeah, I mean, that's, if, if I had time, I think maybe that's the way, it, like, I would, I, I do want to start maybe at least doing notes, like maybe not full on reviews, but like notes of things that I listen to, or even like I said, with movies, like movies that I'm watching, so I can maybe later write about it, you know, like. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. I think uh, for me, like the practice is, yeah, I'll just, I'll just dump it into my newsletter every now and then. Like I did the the review of like the new boyfriends uh, three tape, which I thought was like amazing. 
Uh, and then it, yeah. it seems like some people are actually reading it. So it's, you know, I feel like it's just good practice. And then eventually, yeah, I mean, if there's if there's somewhere to send it, like a publication or, or a, a, a website to publish the review, like that's that's great. And uh, um, yeah, there needs I, to be some, also somehow like more accessible and slight, at the same time permanent ways to present that information, though, because I love print zines. They're awesome. But at the same time, they're hard to get and they are they go out of print. I mean, they're not hard to get, but you know, they go out of print at some point and they also get lost at time. I mean, yeah. What I like about Cypher and, and Noise Receptor is all their reviews are permanently on their website and then they just include them in the zine when they, when they publish the zine. So it's in both places, yeah. which I think is good, but yeah. Do, do people even know to check the website? I, I don't know. Like that's, that's it, you know, like, not really, I don't, I mean, I, I, I come across it once in a while, but I, I forget. Yeah. So, I mean, there yeah. needs to be, I don't know, some consolidated place or I don't know, like, I don't know. I really don't know what the answer is, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Cause all this stuff, I mean, I think, I mean, I don't even know what's going to happen with the YouTube thing, for example. Um, on the one hand, I think it has the potential to stick around for a long time, which is great. I think it's maybe the best possible format for it. But at the same time, Google could decide to delete my account at any time for, exactly. you know, whatever reason. I've already had issues with people, you know, not big issues, but people, um, you know, people have problems with a lot of things. And if Google wants to say, okay, that's that's gone, then it's gone. So, I mean, yeah. it's like, how many websites do you know that are inactive, that are, you know, offline now, exactly. blog spots? Yeah. Uh, that seemed permanent. I mean, uh, you know, it seemed permanent at the time, but at some point it, someone loses interest or loses whatever, and then it just it expires. Yeah, and, and, and especially with Blogspot, like w once you delete Blogspot, like it's gone forever, whereas some other websites you can still access through archive.org, like Wayback Machine type of thing, but Blogspots and stuff like that, they're just gone because they, they, uh, they didn't gather the data from those. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, they're, they're nowhere. Yeah. So yeah, there needs to be yeah, permanence and, uh, but I also at the same time, it's, it's, you know, not everything needs to be preserved either, but you know, it's still to get a general sense of, uh, you know, snapshots of, of what's going on at the time of a, of a certain time, certain era, I think is very important. Yeah. Shout out to noise extra harsh truths. Um, those podcasts are also very important and kind of set a set a standard. They're definitely what gave me the idea to even think about doing this among other things, but I mean, definitely they're doing great things and people should do more. Now available from white centipede noise, altar of flies, otter blick, triple LP. There has always been chafing and harsh elements in altar of flies, but never before has he put that particular ingredient in focus like this electronics burnt to crisp, crackling meat slab fizz, and reckless physical wreckage. All this paired with his signature vintage apparatus and magnetic tape wizardry, and the result is an elegantly churned up pigsty. That is an excerpt from the extensive liner notes written by Eric Neustrand. Available at whitesemblenoise.com, Bandcamp, and soon, a distro near you. So I guess we can get to my question that I like to ask everyone. My questions. I'd like to hear your top five noise releases of all time. Yeah, I knew it was coming. I was, I, 
I think I got it. I think I got it, but uh, I was I was struggling for a minute. I was like, "Fuck, what did I even say?" Uh, Mersbo door open at eight a.m. Uh, yeah, that's that's just like an all time. It's like the jazz the jazz one. But although lately I've been more into uh, um, hybrid noise bloom, just pure harsh noise. That album's very insane. How it just starts off incredible and it ends somehow more incredible than it started. Like, but uh, door open is the all timer. Um, Cherry Point, Misery Guts. That was the first Cherry Point that I heard. Uh, I still go back to it. Still super heavy, super crushing. Um, uh, Damien Romero, Negative, which I think is uh, is perfect. It uh, I don't know if it really came across in the sound, but it definitely influences uh, some primitive isolation tactics uh, releases. Uh, the early ones, cool. especially. Uh, uh, the Pilgrim by Jason Lescalit. Oh, a glistening example. It's just this long, like it starts off, it's just this long sort of ambient kind of drone kind of thing, and it just develops into this just like crushing, uh, harsh noise. And then it's it's a super personal album about uh, his his father. And the sample at the end is, is, uh, like his, I don't know if it's his, his daughter or like, uh, a daughter of one of his siblings, but sing like his grandfather or his father on, on his, on his deathbed, basically like asking her to sing a song. So she sings like this, like little nursery rhyme, but in the rhyme, in the song, like the, the character is dying and at a certain point, like she kind of realizes what she's singing and she kind of like catches herself. And it's just very like, Oh, after this like long and intense, like noise kind of journey to end with that, it's just like super crushing. Um, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, the last one I was kind of struggling with cause, uh, I, I'm just going to pick uh, bastard noise, rogue astronaut. It's not something I really listen to anymore. Um, but I did listen to it a lot years ago and I still, it's, it's peak faster noise. Like, like Eric Wood and Nelson were at just on point. Like, like it's, it's not even stuff that influences me in any way, but that album is just very incredible. And I mean, say what you will about uh, some of the parties involved, but uh, yeah, that's, that's like an all timer for me, even if I don't really listen to it anymore. Killer. Do you have a bastard noise tattoo? I don't. A lot of people in Minneapolis have those. A lot of people have them. The... When I when I was, I don't have any tattoos, but I was like, I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna get two two bastard skulls tattooed when I get a tattoo, and I just, <laughs> I was like, no, that's okay. <laughs> I, I'm kind of glad that I don't, but uh, this, you know, like I I, I still respect uh, like old man as a bastard and old bastard noise and whatever, but uh, yeah, it's not not. Uh, not so much uh, something I can really get down with uh, in, the, in, in the modern era of the of that project. And then, how about five uh, five newer releases of the past year that you were really into? I also had a question um, with so much stuff coming through your distro. How much of it do you have a chance to actually listen to? Uh, the percentage is kind of small because uh, I mean sometimes I'm just not in the mood. Like I just listen to other stuff like not even noise but other times 
there's just so much coming in. I just like, I got to, I got to put this up for sale and then it'll sell out and be like, Oh shit. Like I should have kept a copy for myself, you know? So I don't listen to enough of what comes in. Most of it, like I know there's a reason why I brought it in, but uh, I, I, I definitely don't listen to enough of what, of what comes through the door. I don't know if it's the same thing for you, but I just don't have enough time to, to dedicate to, to that. It's tough. It's definitely tough. Like I, one, one thing I do that kind of, I'm trying to not do it this way anymore is anything from a project that I know I like, I'll just take it. I'll set it aside and the stuff I don't know is what I'll listen to, but that means I never listen to the stuff from projects I like, you know what I mean? So I'm definitely, uh, trying to navigate this, like how, like, like what Eric was saying about, uh, you know, buy less and listen more. Where in our case, it's kind of like we got to buy more and listen more somehow. Like, I don't, I'm just trying to, like, I was just doing inventory too. And all this stuff that I had set aside for myself, I'm just like, most of this can just go back in stock. Like, like it's been a year since I pulled it aside and I haven't even play tested it. Like it's, it's, it's going back on the shelf. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It's, it's tough. I mean, yeah, I kind of just feel like if you love something, you got to set it free. Sometimes it's like, fuck. I can't keep all this stuff. And if I, you know, I wouldn't, I, I get like almost literally everything that comes. I don't want to, I'm not trying to brag or something like that, but I try to get like almost literally everything that comes out. Like, yeah. Yeah. Period. So it's like, that's more than I could ever in the first place be buying for myself. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like, okay, I just have a, I just have to, uh, just limit, limit myself and just be pretty cut, just be kind of like, cut throat about what I, what I keep and what I, yeah. Sometimes, yeah, it's a question of time. Certain hot, hot labels come through or like, you know, or, you know, I only get a few copies. I'm only able to get a few copies and I know they're going to sell right away. And it's just like, well, there's some people out here that really, really want these. And yeah. And, and, and I, I think it's, it's impossible for, for us to do it on this level now, but I think in the past people, like, I, I think Nico maybe said he used to do this where like, any release that kind of came in, a copy also went into the personal shelf. So, you know, you just have this massive collection. I mean, if you have time to listen to it, that's, that's great. But I, I it's, it's not I practical. To too. I would like, to, I would ideally like to do that, but actually my, my living situation is just that I have a small place and my shelf for my personal stuff is small and I keep it small and I'm always like kind of making it, you know, always kind of taking stuff out of it and, getting rid of it. So I, I can't, I would love to do that though. Cause I do, th- I do yeah. know that I do don't know that a few years down the line, I'm going to regret a lot of stuff that I don't have from this time, you know, from this, this moment in time, uh, mm-hmm. just destroying so much stuff. I'm going to know that so much stuff I should have, Oh, I should have fucking kept that. Yeah. And just now knowing that you did now. have the chance to have it, you know, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh shit, that was probably really good. I just let it, yeah, let it slip. Uh, I also I'm trying to just adopt this. I, this is kind of how I like to listen to noise a lot of the times too. Is I'll listen, I'll kind of just go like by project where it's like, oh, I'm gonna listen to like all my skin graft tapes this week type of thing, you know, and just get really involved with one project. Uh, I, I find that actually quite rewarding rather than listening, unless you can kind of pull out a thematic kind of pile from your shelves. Um, keeping in sort of the same sort of zone, I find it's a much mm-hmm. more rewarding, uh, 
listen than just going all over the place. Sure. Um, so yeah, with that, what are what are five things of the past year that you your top five of the past year? Uh, I also thought of this list too, and now I'm drawing a blank again. I, I guess important ones for me. We're kind of going back a little further. I know you kind of are loose on this rule, so I'll go a little back a little further. Um, your tape fester on receiving vault um, hmm. from a couple of years ago. That uh, I, I really like that one. That's like when I want to listen to to wince. That's often the one that I pull. Um, cool. Thank you. Formula from Ted Burns on Lake Shore mm-hmm. Car Noise, which mm-hmm. is like I feel uh, that was like a culmination sort of, of of a direction part. One of the directions that he was going with some of his stuff, uh, and he just went all out. Like, like, like it had to do like, I mean, it's, it's acoustic percussion, but like the the way that it was mic'd and and whatnot, like it just sounds like harsh noise. Like it's. It's, cool. it's it's incredible. Yeah. Um, uh, the Mote uh, tape on uh, Pink Piss from last year. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I have I have a copy of that actually on the personal pile. I haven't listened to it yet. It's uh, it's great. It's it's great. I mean that the project uh, he's that guy's amazing. Um, yeah, he sent me he sent me a copy because when I did the uh, the CD for him. Uh, he sent that yeah. through, and I, I think that's really great. It's very, I mean, it sounds like Mote, like it's just a psychedelic sort of acid yeah. flashback adventure. <laughs> like, um, what are we at here? It says three. Uh, the Tinnitus Stimulus LP that just came out. Hmm, I haven't listened to that yet. Uh, I only listened to it a couple times, it. but I threw it on my year end list anyways because uh, I, I was pretty enamored with it in my couple of listens. So I got to go back and, and spend more time with it, but I, I think that's really worth checking out. And I don't really hear many people. I don't really hear anyone ever talking about that project, really. Um, yeah, I was inter- I was curious to see that come out because that's a project I, I don't know, I, I I remember being around and I kind of associated with a certain time, I guess. Yeah, there was there was like a couple tapes on Monorail. In my mind, I kind of downplay it, but everything I've heard, the tape on like uh, Monorail Trespassing is super killer. Um, I don't have that much of his stuff, but I was also surprised that that uh, Psychic Liberation put it out. But I thought this is probably a good sign that it, that it's worth yeah. giving some new some new attention. And um, I have seen a lot of people, I have heard a lot of people talking talking it up quite a bit. So yeah, I, I really got to listen to it more just to, to actually comment on it. But I, I was I was very into it for the last uh, yeah. It ended up on my list. So uh, cool. The Umpio uh, Kulotis C- double CD on Narcolepsia. I think that was my favorite release last mm. year. Uh, cool. Just, yeah. just. I mean, I, uh, on, I honestly, I haven't like liked everything I've heard from Umpio, but this was like, yeah. like, I think lately he's really on on this. And I know this is kind of partly archival recordings as well, but uh, lately he's just like on fire. And uh, we're gonna do a CD on Absurd Expedition this year as well. So. Yeah, he's awesome, and he's he's another that's another product that I, I feel it gets underrated even in myself. And for that reason, I really think he's cool. Like just his aesthetic, his style is so unique, but I mean, it's also, I mean, I think some of maybe his handwritten graphics sometimes would be off, but at the same time, I like that he does that his fully owned thing. And I think that I, every time I, I don't listen to Umpio often enough, but every time I do, I'm blown away. Yeah. 
and I feel such a respect for it. And I just think, fuck, why don't, why don't, why doesn't this guy get his due? Why don't I give it the, yeah, the the due it deserves? So I, yeah, that's that's awesome. I want to have him as a guest soon too. Yeah, you should. Definitely He's a uh, mastering genius. Uh, contact Mike. Uh, genius. He's just yeah. He's. I send any, anything I need to get mastered on absurd exposition. I just, I send to him. Like he did the basalt LP. He did the Mote CD. He's doing the primitive isolation tactic CD on uh, narcolepsy. Um, so he's, uh, yeah, he's great. Really great to deal with. Super nice guy. Uh, funny thing though, when I was first, this is like years and years before I even started going down a real noise path, but I, I was still doing my old punk distro in like the late two thousands. I did a trade with some label and it was one of those trades where like the guy didn't specify that he was just sending me the master tape with a bunch of Xerox covers. But uh, so I was, so I was dismayed by that. Cause I didn't know, really know about that sort of, or sort of a uh, way of doing things. But also the tape that I got, it was, it was an UPO split with, with someone. And it was just a picture of uh, a pig shitting. And I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, I had no clue. So like for the first couple of years, like, Oh, this UPO project, you can't take them seriously. And now I'm just like, no, nah, it's, it's, uh, it's great. You just get down like that. He's, he's, yeah, he's that kind of dude, but that's, that's cool. That's why I like him too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So tell me about what you have coming up with the label. Yeah. So we're uh, doing a Aqua Necromancer, which is, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's the coming at the tail end of Marisville before he went to, to laptops. Like it came out around the same time as door open at 8am, which is the album we initially wanted to do. Um, because both of those were on Alienate, and uh, mm. Gary runs Cheap Thrills Records record shop uh, in town. So for like a year, we were like, "All right, let's let's do door open 8 a.m. Let's let's just do it. We'll get it done. It'll cost a lot of money because it's a double LP, all this that, but we'll we'll just do it." Finally, I was like, "All right, I'm gonna email Masami. Aurora Central from Mexico is already putting out door open 8 a.m. So like we just mm. we kind of kicked ourselves for." just like dragging our feet for a full year. So then Masami just offered Aqua Necromancer, which is actually Gary's preferred Merzbo of what he's released. So I was just like, yeah, let's just do it. Um, there's some bonus tracks on there with, that I feel are in some ways better than the actual album material. Like it's like outtakes and they're just like super harsh, like uh, really, really good, really rewarding. But uh, yeah, so that's coming up. Uh, and around the same time, we're like, oh, shit, since we can't get door open at 8 a.m., let's do Masana Frequency LSD, because Gary always wanted to do that. And we email Masana, and he's like, no, Cold Spring's doing it. I thought Gary knew, but no one ever contacted him. So, yeah, but I, he would have said yes anyways. And just like me, like, if anyone happens to want to reissue anything I've done, like, I'm going to say yes, but it's nice to get asked, you know, like, yeah. It is, yeah, it is. It is for sure. It's not, It's just. It's just common... Yeah, it's common just common courtesy. courtesy. But, that, that's it. But it's common courtesy. To, I think to at least inform. But I think to be uh, to be fair, um, I mean, the rights to the music belong solely to the artist. Absolutely. You know. So I mean, we're all obviously doing everything on just handshake uh, contract. But I mean, you know, in very rare cases, do us releasing something do we have any sort of long-term say and you know yeah but but of course it's it's just a it's just, it's an issue of respect at least like 
make the person aware that you know that's it the yeah. art, if the artist wants to do it then it's like you can't say no unless they've signed the exactly yeah 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 and that's the thing like like it, it was never going to be a question where it was going to be denied or like no i want to do this like even though he wanted to do it if another label was yeah. doing it he was just going to say yes anyway so that's it's it's just that aspect of it so i i feel good that we're we're doing aqua necromancer i don't uh Part of me is like, well, the world doesn't really need another Mersville reissue, but at the same time, it's like, okay, we're, we're doing it, and there are people that are going to be happy with it, So, and I'm going to be happy for with sure. it, so, yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the world can use another Mersville reissue. It's not <laughs> It's not going to hurt anyone. It'll be, it'll be great. Well, it might hurt uh, pressing plant uh, turnaround times, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, the world can always have more pizza in it. It's like, no one's ever going to have too much pizza in the world, even though yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, what else is coming up? Uh, well, there's uh, the Wince Altar of Flies. Uh, like, what do you guys? It's like a mail collab you guys are doing, or we're doing a mail collab. Yeah, um, we're each doing one side. Basically, I'm I have a side that's basically done of me working with his source material, and he'll do the other side, and it's him working with my source material. And he has that. We both have it like. 80% done. Awesome. And it's just been an issue of time for me to just allocate some time to work on that um, and just finish it up. Cause it's, it's mostly finished it's, and it's, I like it a lot. So, and I've, I've heard what he's working on too, and it's really nice too. So I'm sure it's going to be, I don't know. We might call it altar centipedes. That's maybe the, that's maybe the, the, the project, the collab name. That's, but that's, we have yeah, I'm I'm super stoked. Yeah, I'm glad to, I'm glad that's that's happening. Um, I'm really excited to check the the triple LP from Ultra Flies. Like that's I can't wait for that to. It's great. It's super great. It's so glad. I'm so glad to finally have it on hand and shipped out a ton of orders today. And um, gonna hopefully tomorrow focus on all the distro packages that need to go out. I'm trying to time them at the same time so uh, everyone kind of gets them roughly around the same time because i'm just swamped here it's like uh, it's a it's a mess my apartment right now so um, yeah i can imagine yeah. yeah i'm waiting for the merzo to show up and it's going to be gonna be the same thing yeah 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 uh, what else do you have going on uh later there's going to be a, a cd for for jute which is like a local project uh who's been doing some pretty good tapes uh lately i've known sam for quite a long time um from you know internet forum days we lived we've always lived in different parts of, of canada but uh now we're both in montreal so uh yeah and like i said uh umpio cd uh gonna do something for uh un regard foie which is a montreal project as well he had a release on cypher before uh yeah, yeah and then uh yeah just that batch that's in the ad like the unreleased neural from 1996 which sounds amazing like i'm cool i asked him i was like why did you not put this out he's just like you know, I just, I put out so many things. Sometimes I just didn't feel like putting something out. And I was like, Jesus Christ, this is really good. Um, cool. Yeah, and I just got the tracks for the Andrew Nolan, Mystery Engine Split. Uh, cool. Yeah, Double Taper, Alex York, uh, Mott, Mangle, Collaboration, and Split uh, Tape. Um, and then a tape for the Rita. So, and a, and a Hermit, uh, Chick White Split Tape. So, yeah, Hermit's nice. back in the game a little bit. Uh, cool. Recording? It's new hermit recording recorded uh, in October. Uh, cool. It's about ten minutes long. It's uh, it sounds like hermit. It's it's great. It's 
it's it's really good. Eric Eric's really nice. He's really awesome. Glad to be able to to do something with him. Um, yeah, that's that's about it. That's planned right now. Um, always kind of stuff on the go, and I kind of do this to myself every year, where it's my years. My release schedule is very minimal at the end of the year. So I'm like, all right, let's let's pick it up, and then I'm just like, I swamp myself at the beginning of the year. And this year, like, I'm just kind of tired of um, how easy putting out a standard tape has become. You know what I mean? Like, especially if you're doing pro dubbed, it's like, okay, I got the master, I got the artwork, I just send it to the plant, send them money, and then I get the tapes. It's like, what was my involvement in that really, other than putting the label name on it? So this batch that's coming up with all these tapes, uh, every tape is going to be like in a custom sort of package and I'm going to home dub where I can. Like I'm almost done dubbing the neural tapes. The Rita was done at the plant, but uh, yeah, everything's everything's going to be custom packaging, everything different packaging, just, just to have a more hands-on approach because I was feeling a, a little detached from it. Yeah, um, I respect that. That's a that's a grind, though. I'm 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 back in the tape uh, game. I got I got one brand new, really killer Tascam dubbing deck, and another one that's still kicking and still working. And I'm dubbing tapes right now, and I love that. I love doing it, but for me, it's so there's so many different. I'm so disorganized sometimes that all these different steps, especially when you're doing more in, uh, unique packaging or whatever. All the different steps just to keep them in process just it's a grind sometimes and you know it dra- sometimes the process drags over for a way longer period of time for me especially because for a long time i had a really good cheap um printer printing machine i could use at my school you know i go to an art school so like they have a cheap high quality laser printer so it's just fine for doing it um but they're super super strict with their covid stuff i don't know what the current status is right I avoid my school like the plague now. It's a it's a hellhole. So, um, it's also make the the whole printing process always a new a, a big question mark. Like, okay, where do I go to print this now? What's do I spend a bunch of money? Do I you know I don't know. It's uh I've enjoyed I've enjoyed doing CDs. I must admit lately because I like I like that and this just the 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 uniformity and the ease of you know you put it together. But then you get a nice delivered project. That's it. Yeah, I, I definitely have less uh, less reservations about a hands off approach when it comes to CDs at, over tapes, because I feel like the tape sort the standard tape in a jewel case is, is very saturated. Uh, that being said, though, there there's some labels like fuck yeah, just send me your tape in a jewel case because it just looks so good. Like Narcolepsia, all his tapes like look amazing on the shelf. Yeah. Uh, Seta yeah. the the also very uh just it's i guess it just depends on the packaging and design but for me yeah i was just feeling a little little too detached you know cool man well um is there anything else you'd like to tell the people out there before we wrap it up yeah i just think my main thing is yeah i just want people to maybe think about um just being more active like not necessarily the projects but like just like writing or, or or doing something just um like there has been an influx of zines lately like there's untitled and like noise widow was a breath of fresh mm-hmm. air i don't know if you ever read noise widow but it's i, I have never I, I i keep i've seen excerpts from it and it looks great and i keep forgetting to get in touch and try to get some but that's a good reminder it was such a breath of, of fresh air like i was just, like you just laugh at every page like it's it's just it's just incredible it's just like this 
Uh, I I can't do it. Ju- I can't explain it properly. You just got just get it. You'll love it. Um, I'll, have to, yeah, I'll have to get in touch right now and um, and get a bunch. Yeah, get a so, bunch. Hopefully. Um, but yeah, I, I just cool. think yeah, just uh, yeah. I think it needs to become a motto. Yeah, like buy less, listen more, and be more active. Like that's 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 it. Or maybe in our case, they can buy more from us. <laughs> cool. All right, Taylor. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Good to talk to. Good to see you face to face for the first time. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. You've, you've been you've become like a regular staple in my house uh, every week now with the podcast. So it's uh... that's super weird, but that's uh, that's great to hear. All right, cool, man. Take care. See you. Bye. Thanks again for tuning into White Sampy Noise podcast. Head over to the Patreon for more, including private episodes of Noise on the Run, exclusive photos, video, and audio related to the show, and discounts at the White Sampy Noise mail order. Your support is extremely appreciated and vital to keep the show going.